best friends and introverts, welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, or welcome if you're joining us for the very first time. As always, I am your host, Chelsea Brown. I am wrapping up this season of Married at First Sight. Actually, I just finished it a couple days ago, and I just went to a wedding. So love is in the air or whatever, and I've been thinking about relationships a lot. So this week, I asked you all what your best relationship advice is, whether you've given it or you have been given it. I had you share that on the podcast Instagram at You're So Quiet Pod if you're not following. And I'm also going to share some things that I do in my relationship that I think helps make it what it is, which is awesome. But first, of course, we're going to do our customary mental health check. As always, you're going to rate your mental health from one to five, one being horrible, five being amazing. I I think I'm at like a four. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm a little tired, but I've also been going to bed at like one o'clock in the morning because the A Court of Thorn and Roses series, I just finished the fourth one last night, kept me up literally till one o'clock in the morning. Uh, it Yeah, words cannot describe. It's so good. The third one, I was not a huge fan of. The fourth one though, really, really good. I will not give any spoilers at all. But trust me, if you like fantasy, if you like romance, if you like a little bit of like erotica kind of in your fantasy and romance, uh, yeah, definitely give it a shot. Because yeah, it kept me kept me awake and it's been keeping me awake. Uh, in other news, I finally started my physical therapy for my vestibular disorder. Um, he gave me a few exercises that I can do at home and I'm just going to go back once a week for six weeks and we'll see kind of what happens. I... I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. It's like I feel like there's no possible way that this is going to help me. Um, But I haven't had an episode this week at all. Actually, it's been a couple weeks. Not entirely unusual, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's helping. Maybe it's not. Who knows? But I'm going to keep doing it and just keep going until he says to stop, I guess. But I'm excited to at least make progress on that and kind of see what what the deal is with me and see if I can get back to normal because I don't want to be trying to race my car and then have to stop my car on the track because it's just it's just not what I want so uh yeah but overall I feel like my mental health is pretty good I need to sleep a little more and I feel like I'm really craving rest lately uh but unfortunately at this point I don't have the time Um, I have a a trip coming up, not this week, but next week, and then another trip coming up a few weeks after that. So yeah, it's just a lot going on and I'm, I'm struggling to find balance, but I think I'm doing okay for the moment. As soon as I get my sleep under control, I think I'll be good to go. While you are thinking about your mental health and what your rating might be, I obviously have some recs for you. The first is going to be Outlander on Showtime or Netflix. I know I'm like a hundred years late to this, but it's like a historical fantasy thing. Like this woman in the 1950s is thrown back into, I don't even know what year it is, like 1800s or something. But yeah, it's, it's intense. And the series, I tried to read the books, like full transparency, I tried to read the books, but it just kind of didn't grab me the way I wanted it to. Um, and that's a little disappointing for me, but the show does have that kind of grab factor, and I think it's, like, probably because it's a show and they had to keep only what's important, 
because I feel like the author kind of has a tendency to go on a bit, which is fine if that's what you're into. It's not really what I'm into. But the show on Netflix is so good. I, I'm like shocked, like jaw dropped shocked. I will tell you just trigger warning, there will be sexual assault and things like that in this series. So if that's something that you don't want to consume content about, this might not be the right fit for you. I'm on season two right now and it's still kind of prevalent. So yeah, just keep that in mind. But if you're open to content with that kind of content warning, um, I would give it a shot personally. Uh, The next thing I'm going to recommend is maybe an obvious one, but, and not one that I do all the time, but I'm going to recommend telling people how you actually feel. The backstory of this is that there is this person in my neighborhood, a man, who, like, made some really weird comments about, like, my body, and then made comments about my relationship, and it was just all very inappropriate, so I just completely ghosted this person, and I don't, I I mean, in certain situations, I don't feel like I owe you a reason for why I'm not talking to you, you know what I mean? But just to be clear, I did change my entire dog walk route so I wouldn't see this person because he made me that uncomfortable. So, a few days ago, I'm walking the dog. It had been raining, so we couldn't take our normal, our adjusted route, I should say. So, I went back to our street route and ran into the guy. And the guy is like... Are, are we okay? And I'm like, we're good. Like, I don't, mm. I, I, it's not like I have animosity toward this person. I just don't, I just don't want to associate with you. So I'm like, we're good, whatever. Um, and he's like, are you sure? Because I feel like I've done something. And I'm like, all right, fine. Like you want to have this conversation? Let's have this conversation. Okay. So I just tell him, I'm like, look, you made some comments about me physically. You made comments about my relationship And physically, I could probably write it off like you're just giving me a compliment or whatever, even though it made me uncomfortable, but I could probably give you the benefit of the doubt. But making comments about my relationship, especially negative comments, are completely inappropriate because like we all know, women all know that if a man is talking negatively about your relationship, it's because they want you. And that is not an environment I'm trying to put myself in. I am very happy in my relationship. I have no desire to be with anybody else. And I definitely don't want to put myself in a situation where somebody thinks that they're getting something from me that I am in no way prepared to offer. So I tell him this and like, as you can imagine, he tells me, oh, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad, blah, blah, blah. But then like the weirdest thing happens (laughs) and the man is like, "Um, but we are becoming friends, maybe more than friends. And then there's a pause and I must have done something with my face because he's like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. That came out wrong. I mean, we were just close friends and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, okay. And he's like, you're such a beautiful girl. Like, blah. like, dude, dude. And all this did for me is just drive home that my intuition was correct, right? I feel like a lot of times when a woman in particular is like, this dude is making me uncomfortable, like his comments about my body or about my relationship or about whatever, are not right. Like, I just don't like it. And people are like, oh, you're just being dramatic. Like, you're blowing things out of proportion. He doesn't even mean that, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? He did mean that. 
because Freudian slips are called Freudian slips for a reason. Like that is something that's sitting in your subconscious that just happened to come out. And you're telling me it just happened to come out that you thought we were more than friends? So anyway, the recommendation is is twofold, actually. Telling people how you actually feel. I feel like now there's no ambiguity or there should be no ambiguity about why I'm completely avoiding this person. And I feel good that I got it off my chest, to be honest. And secondly, the final thing that I'm going to recommend is trusting your intuition, okay? Again, people like to say, oh, you're being dramatic, you're blowing out of proportion. Like, no, I am not. This is what happened. And even if I'm blowing it out of proportion, this is how I feel. And how I'm feeling is valid. I'm not going to put myself in a situation that makes me uncomfortable just because somebody else thinks that I'm being dramatic. Like, you can get out of here with that. Trust your intuition and tell people how you feel, honestly, if you want to. Because genuinely, (laughs) I would have completely ghosted this person until the day I am actually a ghost. Because I don't really owe you an explanation. Sometimes, like, an explanation is not required. But if you have like a friendship, for example, and your friend like tread on your toes or said something that really bugged you, like you can just tell them. And this is something that I'm working on. It's not something I'm great at. It's something that will take me some time to process and work through and come up with a productive way to tell them how I actually feel. So those are my recs for the week. And with all of that being said, that kind of leads us really nicely into our topic of the week, which is just relationship advice. We always talk about like toxic relationships and bad relationships, but what about good relationships? I feel like I have a very good relationship. I've been married for six years. We have been together for almost 10 years now, and the relationship that we have built is amazing. But it's also not like, oh, look at this, look how amazing we are. This took no effort, (laughs) right? It was not like that. We had to learn how to communicate effectively and even how to fight. And that's something that I think people don't realize when you're actually looking at a long-term relationship. A long-term relationship is going to have conflict, but it's about how you handle that conflict that's going to make or break the relationship. So I asked you all on the podcast Instagram what your relationship advice is. First answer I got was pick your battles. This is something I practice as well and something that I've heard over and over from a good friend of mine actually because I remember once I was telling her my husband has like several project cars at the house and these cars do not run like they're like parts cars or they're just essentially sculptures at this point And I was telling her, I'm like, I don't know why this man keeps these cars. Like, it's just crazy. We would have so much more space if you would just get rid of them. And she's like, you know what? Is this actually worth it? Like, you need to pick the battles that you choose to fight. Is it hurting you? I'm like, no. She's like, okay, well then, is it that big of a deal? I'm like, you know what? It's not. It's really not. And this is true for a lot of things. There are things that annoy me or things that someone says that just kind of bug me. But it's like, okay, is it worth is it worth it? Is me saying something going to change their behavior or is it just going to start a fight? And if it's not worth it, you don't need to say anything. You don't need to fight over every little thing. And it's not like I want you to start to resent your partner for things that they're doing to you. If you feel like you're getting resentment, you're building up resentment toward your partner, that's obviously a battle that you need to fight. 
my husband keeps cars like project cars i do not care i do not care i used to care but it's really not that big of a deal it is not hurting me and honestly if i don't go on the side of the house i will never see them so it does not matter the next bit of advice that you all wrote in was don't fall in love with potential i wholeheartedly agree with this because a lot of times I think that people see what they want to see about a partner that they want to love them. Like they wish that this partner looked like XYZ, but they do not look like any of those things. So we have a tendency to kind of project what we think someone is or what we think that they could be. Like, oh, they could be such a good partner if they were like this. And if you have to say if, if they were like this, like they're clearly not that way. So you're falling in love with this potential of who someone could be, but not who they actually are. And if you continue along this path of this relationship, you are going to be frustrated because you're like, why aren't you living up to your potential? Even though like when you marry someone, when you're in a relationship with someone, you are agreeing to love that person for who they are, not who you wish they were, right? It's not fair to you and it's not fair to them. Next bit of advice, though you'll never be accepted, unevenly yoked couples make a great family. I think that, so this person messaged me also afterwards and I think that there was like a little bit of trauma behind the advice, okay? But I've heard this phrase unevenly yoked several times and I kind of want to talk about it a little bit because People would say, for example, if you have a high-powered CEO and a stay-at-home parent, people might say that those are two unevenly yoked people because one person is providing entirely for the family while the other person is, is not working. And I do think that that's an unfair characterization of the relationship. And I'll tell you why. The person that is a stay-at-home parent or just a a stay-at-home person in general might be providing for the relationship in other ways that are not financial, that are not immediately observable to everyone looking at the relationship. For example, my husband is the breadwinner, right? I work as well, but I do not provide for the family, okay? Financially, I do not provide for the family, but I do provide for us in that I keep our lives running, I am on top of appointments. I am on top of home repairs. Like I am like the project manager for this home so he can go and provide for us without all these extra distractions. So in saying that someone is unevenly yoked, I don't think that that's always a fair characterization just because it appears that, oh, this person is working so hard and whatever and providing for the family while this person does nothing. Like, you have no idea how their relationship actually is. So a secondary piece of advice is don't look at other people's relationships at face value because you don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know their dynamic or their agreements. Like, maybe even if one person is working like crazy and one person is doing literally nothing, like, maybe that is their agreement and they're happy with it. So in saying that a couple is unevenly yoked, that is a... A judgment from people outside the relationship telling you, oh, one person is pulling so much more than the other person. That might not necessarily be true. Okay, the last bit of advice from you all is ask for what you want. I can't tell you how much I agree with this and how much I don't do this. 
<laughs> so I, especially when I was younger, like I had this desire to have my partner just kind of know what I wanted. And I would not say a peep. I would not say a single word about what I actually wanted. And I would just expect them to know or intuit what I want. And then if someone did that to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, how can you possibly expect me to read your mind? And then one day it kind of clicked for me that, oh my gosh, I'm a hypocrite. (laughs) I can't expect someone to read my mind and then be mad when they want me to do the same thing. And by the way, no one can read anyone's mind. So ask for what you want. If you want to go out on dates once a week, ask your partner, bring it up. If you want your partner to take out the trash, hey, can you take out the trash? Like, can we like just communicate? And this communication is so, so important. You need to learn how to fight and to disagree. And that is my, my first piece of relationship advice from my own experience is learning how to fight effectively and fairly. There is no reason if you're having a disagreement about, I don't know, let's stick with taking out the trash. Maybe your partner didn't take out the trash and now the kitchen smells and you're mad at them. So you're having a fight. And then while you're having the fight, you bring up something that they did last week and something that they did the week before that. And it's just this whole pile of resentment thrown on your partner. So it's not even really about the trash anymore. You know, is that fair? No, the answer is no. Is that effective? No, it is not. And it, I mean, I will be the first to say that finding your fight style is difficult as a couple because maybe you kind of differ. I'm lucky in that my husband and I are kind of on the same wavelength there and like innately on the same wavelength. If we have a disagreement or we were in a fight or something, we just will not speak to each other for a couple hours and then one of us will go to the other and we'll have a discussion and we'll be done with it. Like water under the bridge, let's, let's keep it moving kind of thing. But maybe you're someone who wants to talk about it right then and your partner wants to ignore you for a couple hours. That's going to be a tough adjustment. And that's something that you could just meet in the middle. Hey, I know you need your time to process. I am going to go for a walk or I'm going to go for a drive. I'll be back in an hour. I'd really love to discuss this when we get back. So then you're not sitting in the house just ruminating on the fight and just coming up with all the lines that you're going to throw at them and whatever. And just like, by the way, in the spirit of arguing fairly and effectively, just listen. Listen to what your partner is actually saying. And don't just listen to respond. Because I know that I am so guilty of this sometimes. I am like half listening to you because I'm already coming up with jabs in my head to throw at you. And that's not helpful to anybody right? We're not going to come to a resolution. You need to listen to actually understand their point of view. And maybe you'll realize, even if you're someone who wants to discuss it right then, you'll realize that, oh, having an hour apart, like it lets me calm down. It lets me gather my thoughts and come to this from a place of I want to solve this versus I want to hurt your feelings. Okay. In the same vein of fighting, I think that going to bed angry is fine. Because sometimes you just got to sleep on it. If your partner says something to you that really hurts your feelings, a couple hours is not going to be enough. I know that for me, if my feelings are really hurt, I just need like time. And it's not just, oh, a few hours. Like I just need to be left alone. 
I need to go to sleep. I need to like reset the brain so I can come to this and have a conversation with you that's not going to end in me crying. That's not effective. It's not helpful and it's not fair. Okay? Going to bed angry is fine. And honestly, I feel like when it gets really late sometimes, your fights get a little, go a little bit off the rails because you're tired and now you're tired on top of the fact that you're mad and you're hurt and it just compounds and now you're fighting about this whole other thing and now you have this whole other thing to deal with in the morning when you could have just gone to bed, woke up in the morning and realized, you know what, this is not that bad, you know? Okay, next. I think that physical intimacy is a really important part of relationships. My advice is this. If you're not in the mood at the moment that your partner starts initiating intimacy, do it anyway. It's time to rally, okay? Even if you're tired, whatever, like, I promise you, you will get in the mood, in the mood, quote unquote, quick fast, okay? It's not a chore to be physically intimate with your partner. And I know as women, it's a little bit different, right? We can't just flick a switch and then be ready like men. But as you're allowing your partner to initiate this intimacy with you, you're also building trust. You're building trust that I'm not going to reject you. I love you. I care about you. And odds are, if they're initiating this with you, it's not just, ooh, I just want to have sex right now. It's probably like a little bit deeper than that, especially in a long-term relationship. In a long-term relationship, don't get me wrong, like there are some times that you're just like, okay, I want to have sex right now. But it's also, it just means more. It is showing each other that you care. It's showing each other that you're still attracted to each other. showing each other that you still want that intimacy and keeping that intimacy alive. Sometimes we get swept up in this idea that there's always tomorrow or I can do it later or blah, blah, blah. And honestly, that's not always true, right? The last thing you say to someone or the last thing you do with someone could be the last thing that you do with them, okay? I, in my relationship, I do not reject any physical intimacy advances. That is not how my husband and I work. We always say yes, and I have never regretted it. Not one time. Not when I'm jet lagged, not when I'm tired, not when I'm hungry. Like, it has always been worth it because I always feel closer to my partner afterwards. That rejection can just manifest into an overall feeling of rejection in a relationship. And that might make you just pull away in other ways. Maybe you pull away emotionally. Maybe you pull away spiritually or mentally or whatever and this is all because you or your partner were rejected one too many times and now it's been internalized as a whole other issue okay next the most important in my opinion part of my relationship that i think has helped make it so strong is supporting your partner in public but correcting them in private it's a trust thing my partner trusting me not to make them feel bad in public and me trusting my partner that he's not going to make me feel bad in public. If I don't agree with you, I just don't need to say anything. I don't need to call you out in public and just make this whole, no, it's not you versus them. You are a united unit and 
of course you're going to disagree, but that doesn't mean that your disagreements have to be public or have to be in front of other people and have to kind of put your partner on the defensive and make them feel like it's you versus me. And that's not the case. So I will not correct my partner in public. I will correct them in private. Like, hey, I didn't like when you did this or I really think that we should have done this instead of what you decided. And that has had a 100% success rate of not devolving into a fight. Had I said something or snapped in public, it would have been a fight. But because I didn't say anything, I waited till it was just us and worded it as like a normal person, not trying to hurt your feelings, but just like, hey, I really didn't appreciate that. We have never not one time fought because of that. So if you're realizing that, hey, I'm correcting my partner in public, and that's devolving into a fight, like there's a very easy solution. You just don't have to correct them in public. Okay, next. I think it's important to know your partner's love language and like how they want to receive love and how they give love. I know that I want to receive love with like acts of service and quality time. I like when people do things for me because I just have a lot of crap to do. And I love when people spend time with me. Like time is your most valuable resource. So I love when that's allocated for me. And I like to show love by also doing things for people and by spending time with them. And in my intimate relationships, obviously being physically intimate is important for receiving love and showing love. And if my partner wants words of affirmation and that's not something that I normally do, I think it's important to kind of bend a little bit to that. People talk about like, oh, don't change for your partner. But I think it's okay to change how you communicate and change how you show your partner love because you want them to be loved. You want them to feel loved and appreciated, but they're not going to feel loved and appreciated if you're not showing them in the right way. This is the final thing that I'm going to end on for relationships. And this is probably the heart and the core of a successful long-term relationship. And that is to keep having fun together, keep laughing together, keep building memories, even if like you don't have to go anywhere. The amount of conversation and laughter and fun that my husband and I have had roasting people on reality TV shows is astounding. (laughs) But it's keeping that that fun alive. That's really important. We can all get caught up in just the drudgery of life in general. Like it sucks being an adult. Like no one told me how much it sucks to be an adult. But if you have someone in your corner that you know loves you, that you know how to fight with and communicate effectively with, that you know you can have fun with at the end of the day and it's not just going to be this drag of a relationship that you're just pouring energy into it and getting nothing out If you know you have that person, then your long-term relationship is going to be successful. Long-term relationships require work for the most part, okay? They, it doesn't have to be hard work. My relationship now, very easy, very smooth sailing. But that's because we spent the time to learn how to communicate, to learn where we differ, to learn about each other's triggers and our pasts and things that bother us and things that don't and things that are really important to us and things that aren't that important. It's important to learn about your partner and use those learnings to grow your relationship and further your relationship and grow your connection with your partner. All of this is just about a connection. 
I don't think being in a relationship is just like a checkbox. I think that especially a long-term relationship, this is someone that you're sharing a big part of your life with. And it's not just easy breezy all the time. But if your intention is to grow your connection, to love your partner, to build them up, and to have this really positive person in your life, there's nothing that you can't do. If you're going through a tough time right now in your relationship, long-term, short-term, new relationship, whatever the case may be, know that rough patches come, okay? It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the relationship, but you do have to be willing to work through it for this relationship to work for you. With all of that being said, we are about at the end of our time together this week. Thank you, as always, for joining me. I hope that you got some some good advice out of this. I know I did. I always love interacting with you guys. And if you want to interact some more, you can follow the podcast Instagram or TikTok, and TikTok, I guess, at your so quiet pod, Y-O-U-R-E, so quiet pod. As always, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and I will talk to you all next week. Okay, love you. Bye.